Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion, recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey. So glad you could join us today. And we'll begin with our morning prayer. From page 165 of Miscellany. Goodness never fails to receive its reward, for goodness makes life a blessing. As an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Thus may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, What am I? To the scientific response, I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness. And this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you. I love that. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 267. Watch lest you forget that your work is to prove to God that you can balance your thought under all circumstances, whether you ascend up into heaven or make your bed in hell, as the Bible declares. In vaudeville, an acrobat balancing someone on his head will climb up and down a ladder as proof of his skill. Human experience provides us with opportunities to prove to God that we can reflect him under the worst conditions as well as the most favorable. Thank you. Comments on that? I used this watching point several times this week when my um, thoughts were all a Twitter and a gog and all over the place. I was like, wait, just wait. Um, God is right here with me. And it certainly was calming and allowed me to relax and, and realize the truth. Thank you. And that's what these watching points are for, to be using them. So, so you become them, okay? You get where you know them so, because you've used them, that you never forget them. And the messages, as I've said, dear, dear Mr. Carpenter, anyone else? To me, it meant that you have to be consistent. You can't go up and down. You have to stay consistent with God no matter what the situation is. Thank you. You know, it brings you back. Uh, they all do. And, and you think about how he wrote these and used all these examples. What, what a comfort. I know, 500 <laughs> of them. Good grief. Yeah, an analogy for every situation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I do love that the, the church work gives us plenty of opportunity to prove that we're um, identifying with the infinite good, like that prayer said. Yes. Also, I feel if the standpoint is perfection, there's no way it can be unbalanced. So, at all times, yes, God with us, perfect balance. And, you know, when you are are working in the truth during what we call our sunshine days, when there don't see, doesn't seem to be any apparent terrible thing going on in your life or in the life of others or well there's always things going on in the nation and world but anyway if you are consistent in that then when things untoward do come up you won't be so floored by them you won't have to be you know picked up off the floor sort of a thing because you are in the saddle and you're used to meeting everything and you know that you will be victorious because you've been victorious in the past with the little things. When you are what you overcome the little things and you, you become the master of what seems to be the big things. And this is skipping a bit, but I did like what Melissa wrote on the forum concerning Haggai. Um, did you want to discuss that, 
what Henry Matthew wrote, Melissa's on, right? Yes. Melissa? Yes, I am. Uh, I was muted. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, it was just, for me, it was a very interesting reminder that we need to stay focused. And there are all of these temptations, which I believe you mentioned last week, um, and distractions. And when we're doing our watch or when we're doing our prayerful work, we just need to remember to come back and try and stay on point and push the other things away. And for me, it was it made me feel joyous that even back then, they still had distractions. <laughs> not just I'm not the only one <laughs> unable to focus on prayerful work some days. So, yeah, I found that I found that inspiring. Yes, <laughs> and I, I love this. When Matthew Henry says, um, there is a proneness in us to think wrongly of discouragements in our duty, as if they were a discharge from our duty, when they are only for the trial of our courage and faith. You know, because I can remember, too, with myself, if some terrible thing happens, well, you feel like, okay, well, I'm out, I'm knocked out of the box, that's it. Or, or whatever you might think. But no, this is a testing time of our courage and of our faith. Make problems a blessing. That's it. You do. Yes. But you have to stay with it. Someone's got so their... So that we can be established, right? Okay. So that we can be established. Yes, established. And that word, I love what that word means. Not to be thrown off, but settled. Settle deeply, abiding in, abiding in the secret place of the Most High. So don't get thrown off. I often, as I've said, go back to the um, psychologist and the magician. Keep walking and um, you'll find that whatever thing you might be coming upon, you will walk over it. And it won't. It won't touch you or harm you. Keep walking. Have that faith. So, anyone else on that? Well, our subject today is God. And um, before we get into that, I, jo Joanne sent me something very sweet, I thought, or cute. I don't know what you'd call it. Anyway, um, this is <laughs> a little New Year's greeting. Hello. Welcome to Flight 2021, where our captain is the great I am. His co-pilot is Jesus. The flight crew will be the Holy Spirit and the angels of mercy. At this time, we are prepared to take off into the new year. Please make sure your attitude and blessings are secured and locked in an upright position. <laughs> <laughs> All self-destructive and doubt devices should be turned off at this time. <laughs> All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away. Should we lose altitude under pressure during the flight, reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers. There will be no baggage allowed on this flight. <laughs> Our God, the captain, has cleared us off for takeoff. Our destination is greatness and beyond. And then feel free to share if you're taking flight 2021 with me. <laughs> so, so that was very delightful, I thought. And... That's all we have. We know, Mrs. Eddy tells us, that there is no time. We only have the very present moment that we are part of. And it's so important to be aware of that. Um, I gave this to someone this week. But I know one New Year's Day feeling I just terribly depressed. I didn't even know why. I mean, I guess there's always reasons to feel depressed if you look for them. Um, but then there's always reasons to feel happy and blessed if you look for them. So I had turned to in my hymnal, because I often do, 
hymn number 35, and I've given this as a testimony, but verse 2, Dark and cheerless is the morn, uncompanioned, Lord, by thee. Joyless is the day's return, tell thy mercies, beams I see. Till they inward light impart, glad my eyes, and warm my heart. And then it goes on, visit then this soul of mine, pierce the gloom of sin and grief. Fill me radiancy divine, scatter all my unbelief. More and more thyself display, shining to the perfect day. By the time I was done with that hymn, I was totally healed. And I realized, you know, that anytime there's any kind of depression or anything, doubt, unbelief, it's uncompanioned, Lord, by thee. Make him your companion. If he's with you, that will dispel it. It will pierce, pierce the gloom. I've never, I never forgot that because it was so, wow, just changed me so. And just, just that him. And that's what the truth does can change our whole outlook. So let our attitude be one of faith and joy. And, and as this lesson brings out, peace and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But it is an earned peace. It's a demonstrated peace. It's not a peace peace where there is no peace. All the peace in this lesson is if you're obeying God's commandments. Um, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his pe people with peace. And then if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give peace in the land. So, And Mrs. Eddy says it should cost you something. It should cost us all something. And we cherish it more and treasure yes. it. Yes. Everything worth having is worth working for. That's right. And, and that does bring the gratitude. If you're just given things, you don't even realize. Because mm -hmm. truly, you know, where we've had so much peace in our land, in our country for a long time, then we don't get grateful for it, and then we tend to lose it. But it's not peace right now. We are in, in a war of sorts. It's not the war of, with bombs necessarily, but it's a war going on. And Mrs. Eddy, I always tell people to study and work with Put Up Thy Sword on page 214 of Miscellaneous Writings, where she said, while Jesus' love, excuse me, while Jesus' life was full of love and a demonstration of love, it appeared hate to the carnal mind or mortal thought of this time. He said, think not that I come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be of their own household. This action of Jesus was stimulated by the same love that closed to the senses that wondrous life and that summed up his, its demonstration in the command, put up thy sword. The very conflict his truth brought in accomplishing its purpose of love meant all the way through, put up thy sword. But the sword must have been drawn before it could be returned into the scabbard. My students need to search the scriptures and science and health with key to the scriptures to understand the personal <clears throat> Jesus labor in the flesh for their salvation. They need to do this even to understand my works, their motives, aims, and tendencies. And, and it goes on, but it's the idea that we, you just can't do this love, love, love thing. We are in a warfare. It's in this lesson this week as well. We are in a warfare, and um, that must be fought. And then comes the peace that passeth all understanding. And every day you have challenges to meet. And this is what it's about. A sword in one hand, a tool in the other. And when you come up with these challenges, they must be faced and met. Defeated. And defeated. 
And then at the end of the day, before you go to bed, maybe you can put the sword well, right next to you. yeah, right next to you. <laughs> keep it up even during the night. So you keep it with you. And don't go down into the Valley of Pono. Yes. Yes. They're calling you to come and discuss things um, and get you all mixed up. So as that story goes. So yes, sword in hand. And that brings the great peace. And I, I know this <laughs> to some degree because... I used to have no peace, even though I loved the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I used to go out of my way to try to make peace wherever I went, but it was peace, peace, where there is no peace. It wasn't peace. It's was a false sense of peace. And that is not Christian science. Any questions on that? Your desire and your motive should be to have peace. But in that case, you know, of course, then all the wrong must be taken care of. And then it, it unfolds. Yes. And, yeah. and, that, and that's why we have a sword and a crown as our logo. Thank you. And our desire for peace should always be the peace of God. Sure. Not necessarily a human sense of peace, but the peace of God, which comes through the destruction of sin, disease, and death. I got a book um, recently. Actually, my son gave it to me. It's not written by a Christian scientist, and I've just started it. It's called... Faith on Trial. Yes, it's called Faith on Trial. I've only read the first few pages of it, but it's about the next friend's lawsuit. And I, I knew about it. I knew some things about it, but I don't think I realized, wow, what was on Mrs. Eddy. It was all the forces of hell. Every which way. Just as I read about Jesus, her family, her son, her adopted son, it was about money, it was about um, her character, her reputation, but mainly it was about this science which she labored her whole life to give us. And here, at the zenith of her years, for this to try to come up and take over and it was all these people, including Mark Twain and Pulitzer, and these people that had all kinds of, um, you know, what? They were thought of highly. Experts. Expert, yes, Degree. coming down on her. And it, it reminded me of, and I had to look it up again, that, that in no and yes, physical torture affords but a slight illustration of the pangs which come to one upon whom the world of sense falls with its leaden weight in the endeavor to crush out of a career its divine destiny. Make no mistake about it. It's going on now. It probably always will go on for people who are standing and representing what is right. Not a... <laughs> Not a very pleasant picture. We all, here again, this is where we want the nice stuff. But holy Moses, just to read those first few pages of this book, what she did, what she put up with, her, her turning, just as Jehoshaphat did in this lesson, totally to God for reliance. And it was also the laws of our land, the laws of New Hampshire, that stayed steady and remained and came to her defense. So it was all overturned. And that was when, you know, she had at the end of her bed in Chestnut Hill, what was on the wall of Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, the picture of Daniel facing the light. The things they said about her. There was this magazine, no, it was a newspaper. 
the description they get. You wouldn't believe what they said about her. I didn't know all this. And um, such terrible lies, sensational lies. And thank God. And and also the, the yellow journalism going on there, just as strong and heavy, just to crush, crush out the career, the divine destiny. But she prevailed. And only with God can you prevail. It's the only answer. And right now, again, um, Haggai, which I love that story as we had it for a Bible study, but the shaking of the nations and all this talk now of all kinds of things, including vaccine. And part of our watch message last night, those of you who join in, that watches prayers and arguments was from Mrs. Eddy's page pages on Materia Medica. And she speaks about it being hypnotism mesmerism taking over so that people turn more and more the solution to materia medica right Mm -hmm. swelling up swelling up well we're knowing no it's going to bring everybody to the christ and divine healing and that this will be a wonderful year of divine healing and all of you who have waited patiently for your healing let it be this year it comes about why not this year we will overturn this false sense of existence because truly it is. And someone sent me that article that was on the carousel. Normally we don't have things from newer um, workers, but the one on by Carl's, Carl Wells. Now he was around when we were around when we were going through the law case and I remember hearing things about him and I believe, and probably many of you know more about this than I do, but I think he was, what was he excommunicated because he had an operation or something. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. He had surgery. Yes. Yes. Well, my also understanding was he was a fine worker and I love this article. It was so timely now about, um, is the title animal magnetism and polarism. Polarization. Polarization. That's what this is, animal magnetism and polarization. Wherever there is a magnetic field, we find forces pulling in opposite directions. Much of the violence that occurs in the world today is a result of a kind of mental magnetism that can be described as animal in nature. One form in which it appears is polarization of thought, and this polarization produces conflict. And... Who knows how to handle this but Christian science? This is what it's all about. And so we stand aghast. Why stand aghast at nothingness? We know what it is. But this is why our individual thinking and not being swayed by the false news reports, by the horrible, ugly things that are said about people that are totally false, totally all false, have no basis all this name calling that's going on. We, like so many people must have thought about Mrs. Eddie reading in the paper. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And we still deal with it. And that's why you have to meet it head on and destroy it. What was that? Florence found something. I don't know if you probably don't have it at hand, but she found something very beautiful about Mrs. Eddie's history in uh, dealing with the slaves and things, right? Oh, is the I think Clara Shannon's uh, memoirs. Um, I don't have it right here, but it, you see that whilst in bed, she she wrote to um, against slavery and and had so many uh, signatures. Uh, and to hand it to President Lincoln. Thank you. And that, that again, that's important because we had heard Linda had found someone who's going to write a book saying, claiming that she was the white supremacist. All this name-calling, excuse me, if anyone was not, she was not. But you see, if you don't know better and you hear all this name-calling going on, you don't know who's who or what's what. That's where keep your own counsel and investigate 
and don't take things at surface value. So, because this is a polarization, and this has also has to do with um, Kara, right? Kara, she wrote, she, and, and also Linda in Massachusetts about that um, documentary. It was on Netflix about all of this um, stuff that goes on with Netflix, all these things that can polarize people, right? Is Kara here? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. 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 The social dilemma. Yeah, social dilemma. Thank you. And that artificial intelligence is causing the polarization, artificial intelligence, which is another word for, you know, Melissa's animal magnetism, um, and and not people, but people are believing that other people are causing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And it, it causes this ridiculous polarization where people can't seem to come together, um, not in the plane of Ono, but <laughs> under under the one mind come together. And so science is the only answer. Thank God we have it. And I just, we can just get on our knees and thank Mrs. Eddy for what she endured and came through, even at the very zenith of her life. She did. And what's one of the things that we have to do to make sure we don't get mesmerized? I mean, there's, you know, maybe a number of things, but one of the things we have to make sure we do is that we always impersonalize error. Impersonalize personality. Because one of the ways the devil tries to work is to personalize an error. Pin a personality on somebody. And if we refuse to accept that, then we defend ourselves from being mesmerized. And we don't get sucked into the polarization that is the intent of the scheme in the first place. And this is maintaining our oneness with God, and it will maintain our peace as well. So, Lillian, you can read our golden text for us today. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Yes. And someone was saying, because just last week, Craig was talking about God's face shining on us. Remember, and Craig just arrived, so Craig. And you can tell the people of God because they do have shining faces. Um, because it's it's their reflection of the Father. And and um, you know, it, it's been for a long time said that you could tell a Christian scientist by their shining face. They don't look dour and miserable. Their face shines. One that's living. Yeah, one that's living. One that's living, yes. Yeah, enduring, enduring wit and vivacity. Yes, yes, yes thank you. I was thinking of that quote. I think there's another term in there. But <laughs> yes, enduring wit and vivacity. Humor? And humor. Yeah, that's true. That's Those are the things that describe a real scientist. They're real people. They're not... Um, They're not pretend. Yeah, they're not pretend. They're not, they don't, they just seem like they're real, <laughs> which is great. That's one of the things I loved about Mrs. Evans. She was very real. She wasn't. Um, well, she had a positive expectation and for a good reason. When you have a positive expectation that is built on the rock instead of on the sand, you have every reason to carry that with you. And people feel it. Yeah. People feel what's in your heart. You can't, you can't hide that. And if you have a positive expectation based on the rock of Christ, I mean, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Well, if you be lifted up, 
you will draw all men unto you. And this is this is our job every day as we go out into the world to be shining lights and and giving hope to others, speaking that truth to others. Um, that's what was in what what um, Florence read this morning too. That was our our life purpose, right? Our life purpose. So. And then when people wonder about us, why why we are the way we are, then then when it seems right, we can share this truth. Um, you know what? Go ahead. Uh, well, I just was thinking that was one thing. <laughs> you know, I had known a few people at the church before coming to the church. And when my life was at its lowest, you know, I was invited by my practitioner to come down and... <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, I know that they're good people. <laughs> so what's the, you know, there's not a downside to this. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think of that trip down once in a while. I got so lost, and and I had all these things going on, and it was so weird because I had just, just gotten out of thinking that I was going to commit suicide. So what was I worried about, you know? But still, all this stuff came, and I just thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, he was he was scared to death to come because of what he thought Christian Science was, right? Mm. That we were a bunch of loonies. And yet, I knew it wasn't true because I knew, you know, I knew Mary and Gary. I knew they weren't loonies. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but those See, lies come in. And that's why your example is so important. It's the most important thing you have. Don't, and that's why. Don't be weird, and don't quote it weirdly, and don't, you know, say things in absolute terms to people who don't understand what you're saying, because then they do think you're weird. Don't be weird. Be real, Mrs. Eddie. I love somewhere it says when she would talk to someone, she would meet them where they are, were, whatever. She would meet them. She knew right away, and we should too. You don't talk over their heads or lecture or preach or whatever you you speak just from where they're coming from she had one person do you remember the story who came into her office and all she did was talk about what beautiful clothes the woman was wearing because because that's where that woman was <laughs> and i think she left and never came back <laughs> so but um <laughs> anyway you, you you meet them where they are be real and be normal for God's sakes, be normal. <laughs> I think Jesus, Jesus did the same with the parable so they would understand. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's why he did. That's yes, he, thank you. He used the parallels to put it in a story form that they would understand. And the fact that Mrs. Eddie wasn't weird came through with <clears throat> the interviews that they did with her during that next friend soup. If she had seemed weird, they would have said, oh, yeah, she's obviously out of her mind. <laughs> yes, yes. So. And that's the one. I only read the first few pages, but they, I think they had the mayor of Concord go and, and meet with her because the things they were saying about her were just outlandish. And he was so relieved to meet her and see what a normal, loving, wonderful person she was and you know, she spoke a lot about God and turning to God, but, you know, just, and he knew then that they were all lies, all lies. So, um, very important. And it is why she took her daily drive. We know that. But even, even the papers were saying it wasn't really her. It was someone else that was in there. Oh, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, there's just no end to the lies that they'll figure on either to make money or to to crush your career, crush you. But with God, it's impossible, as it was with her, as it with, was with all the prophets before her, as it was with Christ Jesus. So it will be for us. We have a lesser role to play, but we can count on that. Never never fear when you when God's given you a something to do. He equips you with all you need to accomplish it, including overcoming what may seem to be your enemies and then proving that there is there are no enemies, as Mrs. Eddy tells us. So with that beautiful blessing, 
of the lesson on God, Carrie mm-hmm. sent me something I thought was interesting, an article by William McKinsey. Um, benediction, not maldiction. But he says, there was time for benediction in the stately Orient, where for all things, for all long journeys, for never-ending tales, for lengthy greetings mm-hmm. and protracted farewells, there was time aplenty. In busy Western world, it is a sign of distinction to be very much occupied, to manifest hasteful movements, and to cut short palaver. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, men have not altogether lost the ability to bless. We have in one word a condensed blessing. For what is our farewell but a true wish for the welfare of a departing friend? Likewise, we express a blessing in the word goodbye, which is a prayer. May God be with you. I don't think I knew that. Good. Oh, sorry. May good be with you. Gary's reading over my shoulder. <laughs> May good be with you. And, and I'm grateful he is. May good be with you. So when you say goodbye, you're really saying may good be with you. And then frequently loving friends, when they write, express for one another that old blessing used by Aaron for the children of Israel. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And Joe wrote about it on the on the forum, how Mr. Evans used to always, and that is his benediction. And we were taught here to teach this to our children, to memorize it. And before they went to school in the morning, to give this benediction to them, to say this to them. And I remember I did that faithfully, for they, so I used to have to drive my children to school before they left the car to give them that benediction, because it's a beautiful one and instill it in their little hearts and to have it instilled, of course, in our own hearts. So, all right, now, let's see, the story of Jehoshaphat. What a good, what a good lesson for us individually and for us collectively as a nation. And uh, I guess, is Karen on today? I don't think that Louise is Karen, did you want to speak to it at all? Um, well, I, I don't. You probably don't want me to read the whole thing, but I just, I just thought that it was. Um, it showed how to sort of how to give a treatment almost. Yeah. But it. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I thought. But I said um, just to go down to the questions, um, but because it was a. You know, it was a, <laughs> Spurgeon says that they really had nothing to do. They had to resort to God because of the picture was so outland- so impossible for them. What else could they do but to turn to God? And um, so I just start, what did they do first? They asked for help, expressing their confidence in God. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art now thou God in heaven? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Then they, ple- then they pleaded his acts, what they, what he's already, what, how he had already protected them in the past. Then next they expressed their confidence in God. If when evil cometh upon us, thou wilt hear and help. They received a fresh assurance of God's goodness from a new prophet, Jehaziel, who said, Be not afraid. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. The Lord will be with you. And that was God's way of quieting the people's fear through his prophet. Then after they worshipped, why did they? They were not delivered. And this sometimes is hard <laughs> to be grateful before the, you've had the healing. They were not delivered, but they were sure they were going to be. Encouraged by Jehoshaphat, believe in the Lord your God so that she shall be established. There's that word established. Believe his prophets. 
so shall ye prosper. Then, then the people marched out toward their enemy, singing and praising God, only to find out that the enemy had destroyed themselves through their own distrust of each other <clears throat> and the confusion this created. <clears throat> After that, they had rest. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. Thank you. It's a beautiful summary of what to do and face with overwhelming odds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overwhelming odds. And in, in Louise, she quotes God's Law of Adjustment, which is a wonderful article by Adam Dickey. When we understandingly declare that the law of God is present and is in operation, we have invoked or brought into action the law and the power of God. We have declared mm-hmm. the truth, God's truth, and that truth of God is the law of annihilation, obliteration, and elimination to everything unlike him. Whatever is out of order or discordant comes under the direct government of God through what may be termed God's law of adjustment. All we have to do is to scientifically to bring this law of adjustment into contact with our unfinished problem. And when we have done this, we have performed our full duty. So remember that we're bringing this law of God into operation and that will accomplish where to it's sent. So, and this is what the laws of our nation, the United States of America were formed originally to go under these God-given laws as much as possible. But there's a, you know, there's a number of really good lessons in this, isn't there? First of all, <clears throat> how often do we think there might be some other remedy besides God for a problem and go and try that first, whether it's a medical, you know, procedure for a health problem or whether it's a human procedure for a uh, you know, for a violation of the law or something like that. We try to kind of mend things over the easy way. Too many times we don't turn to God except as a last resort after we've tried everything else and and everything else has failed. This is that he says when we should have tried God first. I think I think you know one one somebody told me a long time ago that um, when you when you are facing a, a problem or whatever it it seems like you need to do something physically it's a physical problem and so you need to do something physically somebody said I don't know what to do with my hands sort of like and so I think that's where people I know for me too in, in the past that. If we're not doing something physically with a physical problem, you, you, it's not. You have to do something physically because it's a physical problem. And I, and yep. when you finally realize that it's not a physical problem, the problem is mental, not physical. When you're really convinced of that, then you know that the answer is in the mental realm, in consciousness. Exactly. And then. Yeah, Mrs. Eddie once told one of her students, she said, I didn't I didn't realize there were such a thing as a physical problem. <laughs> or a physical activity. Physical activity. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes, though, there are things you need to do. You know, sometimes Jesus said, get up out of bed. Sometimes there are things you need to do. So, you know, listen. If God is telling you to take some kind of action, you should. Um, quote, Everything. physical action. But everything is, is in the mental realm. It's also breaking mesmerism. That's true. Well, that's the point. Sometimes a good belly laugh, as we heard on Wednesday. (laughs) 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 A merry heart maketh like a medicine. So, it still means turning to God first, and it's a it's a really a worthwhile you know practice to just be used to turning to God first, because even the physical whatever you need to do can be the right one, you know in in a in a more, in a better way, 
Yeah, that's the way I I see. This always turning to God in in thinking that we just have to cultivate that um, our first go-to. Yeah, Yeah, because whatever we do is designed, Mm -hmm. should be, to rouse us mentally, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And and obedience it's, is obedience to God, and it comes in many ways, and certainly on those pages three ninety to three ninety three, what we are to be doing. So, and that and in that, that obedience, we find healing, victory, whatever we're looking for. And in that story, you know, he lists the things evil comes upon us: sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, pestilence, fatal epidemic. So. Someone was saying, it was Benjamin, I think, everybody's looking everywhere else, but how come they haven't turned to God? And and I love, too, our eyes are upon thee, okay? If you look at the problem, if you sit and watch the television and you listen to all these dire things, you are not, your eyes are not upon God. You are being disobedient and you will suffer from it, all right? You keep your eyes on God. That's a demand, it's not a suggestion. It's over and over and over in the Bible and in science and health. Sorry, it just reminded me of something. Uh, <laughs> uh, something I learned when my kids were young. I was, you know, reading about how to properly discipline them. And it said, uh, slow obedience is no obedience. So I was thinking about that, about trying other things first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll turn you, what, like tired children to the arms of divine love, Mrs. Eddy says. You try everything else. And then I do want to get into Joe and Florence's um, Second Chronicles 7. Will you read that, uh, Craigie? Citation 5. Yes. Second Chronicles 7, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Thank you. I like that. Yes. And Joe, Joe's on, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Joe. Yeah, go ahead, Joe and Florence. Well, I had been thinking that, you know, this applied to anyone else other than me, you know, the wicked ways. But then I was thinking um, that any belief of life, whether it's pain or pleasure in matter, is a wicked way and opens the door to all other discord. So that my only safety and security, my only happiness, my only peace is not, as it says in the lesson, to run every man unto his own house, which is really materiality, but to dwell in the house of the Lord, which is spiritual consciousness. And then I found this the, the quote that's in the lesson from Science and Health, where it says, the understanding of God in science, which destroys human delusions about him and reveals the grand realities of his allness. So then any pain that would try to suggest itself to me is not in my body, it's not in matter, but it's merely the opposition to spirituality, which would try to take me out of God's house. And thus, the pains of sense are salutary and become the wholesome chastisements of love. And, you know, I want to thank you for helping me to really see this, because any time a pain comes to me, it's a wake-up call. Where am I? Where's my head? Well, that's right. That's a good way to look at it because then you're reversing the error and and making it true to the truth, which is your spirituality. And on page 130, I've given this before, teaching and addresses by Kimball, treatment for pain. When mesmerized by pain, turn and say, I know what you are. This is not pain or a belief of pain. It is a belief of mind and matter. A lie of belief without a believer. Nothingness claiming to be something. I am not afraid. I am spiritual and so immune. Okay, Florence. Yes, I was grateful for um, Joanne's post because it explains a crucial insight. 
I said, denying God's allness is the sin, wicked way that can be so subtle and not recognized for so long and thus can keep any evil, claim, suggestion going for years. If anything denies God's allness, is it not sinful and wicked as pointed out? That is anything that suggests imperfection in God's own child. One who had been in severe pain for 35 years, only having temporary relief in other methods, finally found his healing when this very point was made clear to him and he accepted it. This must be the reason for this question and its very direct answer when a, when a long-time sufferer asks, how long? The answer is, as long as you deny my allness. Let's be awake and no longer be deceived by error which keeps us seeking a healing for a claim instead of steadily realizing our perfection, which has not a single element of error. We can be working in the wrong direction for so long, while the only correct direction is seeking God, patiently realizing our true being in Him, and finding our rest in love. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. And that quote, as long as you deny my allness, that quote, that's Mrs. Eddy. It's probably the blue book. But someone asked how long, as long as you deny my allness. Here again, we always get back to, this is the first commandment. You've come out of the house and you're accepting a God other than the one God, the God of pain, the God of suffering, whatever it is. You stay in the house, abide there, and you will find your relief and your victory. Thank you. Those were good posts. Everyone, thank you. And we're going to end now in unity of good. This is Credo, page 48. It is fair to ask of everyone a reason for the faith within, though it be but to repeat my twice-told tale, nay, the tale already told a hundred times, yet ask, and I will answer. Do you believe in God? I believe more in him than do most Christians, for I have no faith in any other thing or being. He sustains my individuality. Nay, more, he is my individuality and my life. Because he lives, I live. He heals all my ills, destroys my iniquities, deprives death of its sting, and robs the grave of its victory. To me, God is all. He is best understood as supreme being, as infinite and conscious life, as the affectionate father and mother of all he creates. But this divine parent no more enters into his creation than the human father enters into his child. His creation is not the ego, but the reflection of the ego. The ego is God himself, the infinite soul. I believe that of which I am conscious through the understanding, however faintly able to demonstrate truth and love. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.